All right. Well, some of you reached your 45 earlier than others. You're already seated. Good for you. Some of you are like, 27, 28. It wasn't a literal 45. It was just more than your husband or wife. 57, 58. <laughs> Hundred and three, hundred and four. They they have no idea there's something going on up front right now. I love it. Well, I start without them. Well, I love that we enjoy that time together. Just a chance to meet and greet and be personal with each other. We really enjoy our time after the services as well. Um, you know, lobby time. If you need to rush right out, by all means, do that if you're heading for something. But, you know, maybe even if you're new, just kind of hanging out in the lobby after the church service is a great way to connect with some people and meet some people and kind of get to, get to be involved with the life of our church here a little bit more. Well, has there ever been a time in your life when you were just flat out desperate? You know, where it felt like you were floating out in the middle of the ocean without a life preserver and no rescue ship in sight? You know, maybe it seemed like the only hope you had left was prayer and honestly, maybe even that seemed like it might not be enough. Well, maybe you can remember a time like that in your life, and you're just, you're just thankful that it's over. You know, it's in the distant past. But for some of you, maybe that time is right now, and you find yourself, you find yourself in that spot, kind of barely hanging on for dear life, as it seems. Maybe you're dealing with that outwardly. Maybe it's just something that's happening inwardly, and, it's keep, and you're keeping it to yourself. But if you're honest, it's just not fun, is it? It's not a great place to be. Well, today we're going to be taking a look at an Old Testament character named Hezekiah. And uh, he's a king of Judah. We'll talk about that. But he found himself in not just one, but in two desperate situations. And we're going to be looking at these situations and not just his his situations, but the prayers that he prays during this time to kind of see how does he approach God in his desperation. Uh, See, this Sunday series we've been doing uh, these last many weeks has prompted us to learn about prayer and God from Old Testament characters. And today's character and topic might just be what you need today. Because I have some news for you. If you're not in a desperate situation right now, See, you're laughing. There's a good chance one's coming, <laughs> and, and maybe soon, and I'm, I'm sorry to hit you with the good news, but, but I do think we want to be prepared. So my prayer even going to this morning is that I know that there's going to be some men, some women of whatever age sitting here today in, in pockets, and maybe feeling very alone and going, I am, I am desperate here right now. I am barely hanging on, and God, God wants to speak to all of us, but God wants to speak to your heart today with a message of love and a message of hope that he cares and so I just, I just pray for you, and I've already been praying for you this morning, uh, that God would speak powerfully uh, through our time together and through, yes, this Old Testament char- character named Hezekiah. <laughs> uh, so here we go. So I want to start, though, we're going to look at the history of Hezekiah, because before we dive into these prayers, I want and learn from him, I want to give you a little history so we can kind of put things in context, okay? Now, some of you had the chance to go through, walk through the Bible last week, and so this will be a reminder of some Old Testament history, but I want to frame this, because Hezekiah, I typically find people saying, is that like one of those books in the Old Testament, you know? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, you know, Hezekiah. He's not a prophet, he's a king, but I want to set up things. The kingdom of Israel started as a unified kingdom. They had three kings, and at the end of 120 years, they split into two. This will help your Old Testament reading. The northern ten tribes became Israel, kind of broke off, and the southern two tribes became Judah. 
So sometimes you read about Judah in the Old Testament. Well, what's Israel? What's Judah? It's really been become two kingdoms that's happened. Now, Israel kind of went their own way, and they had king after king after king who were evil. They were called not good kings. That didn't just mean they weren't politically good. It meant that they were evil. They didn't follow God at all, king after king. And uh, Judah, on the other hand, had a number of evil kings, but interspersed among them would be a good king, a king that followed after God. So we had this kind of two situations that happened here. Now, Hezekiah, then I want to zoom in on him a little bit. Hezekiah is, is one of the kings of Judah, and he's one of the good kings. In fact, he's not only one of the good kings, he's really called one of the two very best kings that Judah ever had, and it talks about it in some detail. In fact, I want to quote, we'll be looking at 2 Kings uh, in, a, in a little bit with some verses specific. I just want to read some to you. The, speaking of Hezekiah, it says this. It says, he, Hezekiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord, and he did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given to Moses, and the Lord was with him. Pretty high words to write, at, write about somebody after their death. And, but that's what's spoken about with Hezekiah. Hezekiah had a close trusting, he really had a close trusting personal relationship with God. And, and we'll see that later on as we look at the prayers in his times of desperation. Now, in his first few years of reigning in Judah, the history and the Bible tells us, and the history and the Bible tells us, that the mighty Assyrian army was going around just basically beating up the whole world, taking, up the, taking over the world, and they, all of a sudden, the Assyrian army comes into the, the, Israeli, the Israel region, of Israel and Judah in that area. And, and so here they come, beating everybody up, and, and within a few years, as they attack from the north, they hit Israel and they take over the northern kingdom. This is really God's judgment on Israel, the, the, just the evil that was on going as they turned their back on God. And they basically, over a period of time, take over the northern kingdom, disperse them. And the nation of Israel, this is the northern ten tribes, okay? The, the nation that turned their back on God is no more. So now if you were the Assyrian king and you were bent on basically taking, and ruling, taking over and ruling the entire world, what would your next step be? Okay, you've beaten up the Phoenicians, you've beaten up the Philistines, you've beaten up a whole bunch of kingdoms, you've come down, you've just hit up Israel, and who's right to the south? Judah is right there. That would be your next logical step. He says, I'm going to do this. This is a relatively small nation, a fairly small army, basically kind of the smaller brother to Israel who you just pummeled, you know. And so this would be a next logical step. This is going to be a piece of cake, right? And so the king of Assyria, his name is King Sennacherib. Excuse me, King Sennacherib. I knew I was going to say this how many times. King Sennacherib. And he takes his army and he starts attacking, really, as he's there in Israel, he starts attacking some of the closest fortified cities there in Judah. And he just conquers them. He takes them, he takes them. And this is looking bad for Hezekiah and Judah because King Sennacherib and the deadly, overwhelming force of the Assyrian army is on their way to Jerusalem. This is just a done deal. Huge army, powerful weapons beyond what, the, what, what Judah has, etc., etc. So, as they come forward, again, I'm just trying to give you in a nutshell what, what happens over multiple chapters in the Old Testament. Um, as, as they come, basically, Assyria comes and taunts and bullies Judah, both verbally and in some physical ways. And, and their power is kind of like the rising in the ocean's tide here. It is overwhelming. It seems to be inevitable. I think it's fair to say at this point that um, Hezekiah is desperate. Because here comes the rising ocean tide. 
Now, in 2 Kings chapter 19, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, but we're spending some time in it. But King Sennacherib is getting ready to overrun Jerusalem. He's heading on his way there. When he gets word that the king of Ethiopia, pretty much the world knows that Assyria is mean in business. The king of Ethiopia, he hears, is coming up to attack him with some forces. And so, all of a sudden, King Sennacherib's like, oh, distractions. Okay, so hold on a second, Judah. I'm going to go down and wipe this dude out, but but I'm going to come back. Okay, so I'm going to take care of business here, then I'm going to come back. It shouldn't take all that long. But he writes a letter to Hezekiah as he leaves, letting him know what's coming his way when he's done with with the Ethiopian army. In 2 Kings 19, 10 to 13, he says this. It's not in your outline. Let's read it to you. It says this. This message is for King Hezekiah of Judah. King Sennacherib is sending this. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They've completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? Such nations as Gozan, Haran, Rezephah, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar. You taking notes? My predecessors destroyed them all. <laughs> what happened to the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of Sepharwim? Hena. And, you know, here's all these names. are like, huh, I've not even heard of those. Perhaps that's why. Gone, gone, gone. Kingdom after kingdom. Basically, King Sennacherib name drops a few of the tons of kingdoms the Assyrians have overrun. Just, just wiped out as they've gone through. And, and he basically says, look around you. Look around you at the destruction. This will be your fate too, in spite of the God you claim is your God. They all have a God or gods. What good did that do them? And off he goes and take, takes out the Ethiopians to, to do that. Well, let's pick up Hezekiah's response and his desperate prayer. And, and really now this is the point where we fill in some history. You can fill in some blanks in your outline if you want to do that. Um, You see, Hezekiah is living right where we are at some points in our lives. The details may differ, but this is a time when everything around you seems lost. It just seems lost. And and he's in that situation, and we can be in that situation. And what might we do? Well, I want to read now from 2 Kings 19, 14 through 19. This will be on the screens and in your outlines here. This is his response after the king has written his letter, and he now heads out. It says this, After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, Go, good news. (laughs) He went up to the Lord's temple and spread it, spread the letter out before the Lord in the temple. And then Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. He says, O Lord God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's word of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations, and they have thrown the gods, small g gods, of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all, only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. And there is his prayer. Now, what did Hezekiah do when he was desperate, when everything around him seemed lost? And, and, and what can we do? What can we learn from this prayer when we're in a desperate situation? Well, first of all, what we see is that uh, what he did and what we can do is to pray in the face of the impossible. We can pray in the face of the impossible. 
Now, Hezekiah saw an army that seemed to outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. He couldn't even see them all, there were so many. And he knew their power, their weapons, their determination to conquer. And, and so he turns to God in prayer. Now, the Assyrian king Sennacherib was basically saying, don't even bother to pray, right? Because if you pray, it might make you feel better, at least for a little while. <laughs> but it's not going to matter in the end. You're doomed. And so go ahead and pray if you want, but you don't even need to bother. Hezekiah knew it would take a miracle to defeat the Assyrians, so he prayed for that miracle. He prayed for that miracle. He believed that our God is a God of miracles, so why not ask for one? As unlikely as it might seem, right? Hezekiah didn't just give up and face the, the inevitable defeat. He didn't surrender his nation. He, he prayed in the face of the impossible. And so we have to look at ourselves and ask the question, what about us? I know in times of trouble, we sometimes say things like, all we can do is pray, right? And maybe we rush to prayer, but, but do we truly take the time to lay things out before the Lord? I love that picture of, of here it is, God, here's this letter. It's, it's right in your face. Do we truly take the time to lay things out before him and, and pray to him about our desperate needs? And do we pray intelligently and deliberately? And do we pray wisely and, and even, even with faith and trust? Do we really believe that God hears our prayers and he cares about them and he will answer them? And, and are we bold enough and trusting enough to pray for a miracle, just a big miracle? Hezekiah did, and God answered his prayer in a really big, big way. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but, but God did move. What I see here is that Hezekiah just went for it. And, and I, you know what? When we're desperate, sometimes that's easy to do. I'm just going to go for it. Other times it's not. But I think that's where it starts. Well, second, when everything around you seems lost, another encouragement, don't try to solve things on your own before praying. Don't try to solve things on your own before praying. Okay, you can say, where did you get that, John? I think we sometimes relegate prayer to the last option, you know, when we've exhausted all of our, exhausted all of our other options. So, so, you know, as we first put our trust in our own strength and our own intelligence and our own wisdom, I mean, those were the things that got us into trouble in the first place, but, you know, we're going to try and wiggle our way out, right, you know? So we may not say it, but often here's our MO. Do everything you can to fix things, and when all else fails, then pray, right? So you're nodding, being honest. Hezekiah actually went down that path himself so we can learn from his mistake. Here's some more of the history that's tucked in there. In 2 Kings 18, uh, before the verses we read, we read, After the Assyrians had conquered some of the cities of Judah, we talked about that, took over Israel, conquered some of the cities of Judah, Hezekiah, out of fear, basically offers to buy off Sennacherib and his armies. He says, I'm going to make a deal. He so Sennacherib then makes a deal with him, and he agrees that Hezekiah can pay him, ready, more than 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold as a settlement. How about if we, can we buy you off? Okay, so Hezekiah makes that deal and he gets busy. He empties the palace treasury. He clears out the treasure stored in the temple. He even goes beyond, it seems, what was asked. Um, stripping the gold from the doors of the Lord's temple and from the doors posts. He's like, this, this, you see, here we see Hezekiah seeming to reason with the mind of man. Maybe if I buy King Sennacherib off, he'll leave us alone. I know. I got a great idea. I'll, I'll give him more than what we agreed on. That'll be brilliant. I'll just go that extra mile. He'll be so impressed and grateful that he might even send me a thank you card as he leaves to go conquer someone else. Only the ideas of man don't always work out, do they? Sometimes they backfire, and, and that's what happens with Hezekiah's supposedly genius plan. 
Because once King Sennacherib sees the huge amount of treasure delivered to him, he simply figures there must be more. There must be more where that comes from, and, and he wants it all. Now, sure, he made a deal with Hezekiah, but I don't think that proud Assyrian king conqueror was too hung up on keeping his word to a minor nation and king. So before Hezekiah can even ah, exhale with relief over the deal, Sennacherib shows up on his doorstep with a huge army to take care of business. Now, we're going to see how God answered his prayer in a moment when Hezekiah finally did pray. But the reality is Hezekiah is out all of that gold and silver. And he did what he did to the temple because of his own solution before he turned to the Lord. And as I read this passage, it struck me how often we try to solve our own problems. We, just like Hezekiah, you know, even when we start getting desperate, we get our brains, you know, we get desperate, we, our brains just start turning faster and faster. We try to come up with, with clever solutions to get us, get us out of the mess. And then only when those solutions fail <laughs> do we truly fall on our face before the Lord to pray for his solution. Is that sometimes true for you? You know, I'm going to use what I got. God gave me the mind and, and do all of that. Well, that's what happened to Hezekiah, even this wonderful king that we hear such great things about in Scripture. He made that mistake, and, and he would, in a sense, warn us to say, you know what? Don't try to solve it on your own. Turn directly to God. He's the one who cares and will, will listen to you. Why wait? Well, third, when everything around you seems lost, and this is very key here, third thing is to pray for God to be glorified above all. Pray for God to be glorified above all. Now, Hezekiah's prayer that we read a few minutes ago is articulate, and it's even flowery a little bit, you know, in terms of what he says about God, but it's also to the point. Basically, it's sure, God, I I and the nation of Judah are in big-time danger here. We're desperate looking at our situation. But I just want to point out that King Sennacherib has basically lumped you in with all the false gods of this world who aren't gods at all. (laughs) He's uh, he's not just defying and threatening us. He's doing the same to you. Are are you going to put up with that, God? Are you going to do that? And Hezekiah ends his prayer with these words we read. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power... Uh, because then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O God, are God. Not just because we need it, right? For you to be glorified. Now, Hezekiah leaves the decision to save them or not save them in God's hands. But his ultimate prayer is for God to receive the glory. His ultimate prayer is for God to be glorified above all. He says, don't let this puny king who thinks he runs the world insult the very God who created the world. You deserve better than that, God. And this little man needs to learn a lesson that the whole world can see. And again, I want to pause and look at ourselves for a moment. Because I think when we're desperate, it's often, it's, it's often, it's often tough to see anything beyond our own desperation. You know, but maybe just maybe we can take the view that praying for God to be glorified above all will lead to the best result. Not just help me, help me, God, I'm in trouble. The things around me are in trouble. But you know what? Yes, God, saving us, saving me would be an awesome, would be awesome in that process. I don't want to deny that, but we can pray for God to be glorified in and through our situation and through the resolution of that situation, even to the point of a miracle. God, I want you to be glorified, and maybe that's through me going through what I'm going through and resolving it a different way than I see. God, that's what I want. 
Well, let's find out in Hezekiah's case, what does God do? Now, Hezekiah learned the hard way. He's now out a whole, I'd say a whole ton, but many, many tons of silver and gold. But the huge Assyrian army is out there sleeping comfortably in their tents and cots all over the plains. Because I haven't told you the size of the army yet, have I? Kind of have a feel for how big Jerusalem is. You know, it's a decent-sized city for that region of the area. 2 Kings 19, 35 to 36 says this. That night, the very night that he prayed, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed, you ready? 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. It's a busy angel. That's a huge army camped around Jerusalem. No wonder, no wonder Hezekiah feels like this is hopeless. It's not... 30,000 guys out there against, with, with better weapons and chariots and horses and all that stuff. There are hundreds of thousands, because by the way, 185 was not all of them. Let me keep reading. 185,000 Syrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. That's an interesting wake-up call. Hey, Joe. Joe? 185,000 dead bodies. The Bible goes on to say that then King Sennacherib of Assyria, who was not one of the 185,000, broke camp and returned to his own land. <laughs> Good call. Most of my army is gone. That's strange. Run away! He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. History tells us that he had several other uh, forays, conquests, and stuff that happened around the world, but he never again attacked Judah in the midst of all that. God was glorified even as he saved Hezekiah and Judah, and as he eventually brought Sennacherib down, who was later killed by two of his own sons. Pretty desperate situation, and Hezekiah went to the Lord, and God answered in the way that God wanted to answer that brought glory to himself. But Hezekiah had a second opportunity to pray with desperation to God in case the one desperate situation wasn't enough, I guess. You ever had that happen where it's one after another after another? Why me? We get kind of a why me moment for Hezekiah in a sense here. We can take comfort that sometimes saying why me is an okay prayer. At some point early on as all this was happening, as Assyria was moving and coming into the region and things were starting to get testy, Hezekiah was starting to fear for his country. He was stricken with an extreme disease that made him fear for his life. I want to read through the entire account before I gave you the setup and we talked and then I gave you the answer. I'm going to read the entire account and then back up to see how we can pray when everything within you seems lost. He looked and said, when everything around me seems lost, and he prayed, but he had a situation now where just everything within, it just to me and in me seems lost. And in 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, it says this. About that time, as these things were going on, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, you've heard of him? Big prophet Isaiah, son of, son of Anos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is Isaiah talking to him. This is what the Lord says. This is the prophet. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. <laughs> Thanks for that prophetic word. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall. Excuse me, Isaiah, you're dismissed. Turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, 
Remember, O oh Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and he wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard on his way out, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you in this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. And then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant, servant spread the ointment over the boil, and Hezekiah recovered it's a medical procedure of the day. God even used medicine of the day to bring this about, by the way. Doctors take comfort. Well, even as Hezekiah was starting to face this desperate situation around him, he faced a desperate situation within him, this fatal disease. So as we read this prayer, we can ask, what can we learn again about prayer as we pray over desperate situations when everything within us seems lost? First of all, we see in him what we've seen in many characters over the weeks we've met and looked at these characters. We see that he prays boldly, and the encouragement is to pray boldly. boldly. Now, now I say this prayer is bold because God just told him through the prophet Isaiah, you're going to die. You will not recover. Okay, so this is not your general practitioner, you know, some doctor you drop in on giving you his or her professional opinion, you know, that you may or may not want a second opinion on. <laughs> That's your choice. Let me go talk to somebody else because you, you may be wrong. That's not the situation here at all. This is God himself telling you the truth from the mouth of the great prophet Isaiah. <laughs> God just spoke. How bold is that for Hezekiah to actually still petition the Lord for his healing? And I love that boldness. God says, here's the way it is. And I could just see him going, you know, yes, sir. But Hezekiah says, it doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't, why me? It doesn't sound fair. I'm, I'm young. I don't yet have an heir to my throne. How will the line of David continue, you know, through this kingdom? And, and yet, and, 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 and God, and he just, he goes for it. And he expresses what's in his heart boldly, boldly. See, he knows that God, remember his relationship, how much he trusts God? He knows that God is his daddy, so he can ask boldly. Daddy may have told him what was going to happen, but as a kid, you can ask more than once, can't you? You know, I know for me and, and my gang of five, <laughs> they don't hesitate to ask me more than once if they hear a no answer, and they really want a yes. Now, sometimes it drives me crazy, right? Can you relate to that one? Didn't I already give you my answer? But there are times when I change the no to a yes as a result of them asking and sharing their hearts on the matter because they bring it to me, and it's like, you know, I made a decision that made some good sense. In fact, it still makes some good sense, but... Our relationship and your heart expressed may just change that. From Hezekiah, I think we can learn to don't be afraid to ask. It's not too big. It's not too bold. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, then God is your daddy. Yes, the most high God of all creation is also your, your daddy. And the loving and compassionate God that is okay with you asking boldly. And yes, even more than once. That's a loving God, Dad. Well, secondly, when everything within you seems lost, pray from your heart. Pray personally. 
Now, I thought through some of these things, and they seem pretty obvious. When I'm desperate, why wouldn't I do these things? This is what we see Hezekiah do, and I think sometimes we dodge. I think we do. We put our masks on before each other, and we put our masks on before God, and we just see, <clears throat> we see Hezekiah praying personally. We, we see King Hezekiah flat out weep uncontrollably over this as he prays. Yes, he is the royal and regal king of Judah, but he has a close trusting relationship with God, and he isn't too proud to just flat out fall apart in God's presence, you know? What's God going to think of me? I don't care, you know? And he just rolls over and just shares his one brief little sentence and then just loses it and just out it comes. Now, he does remind God what a devoted man and king he's been. He says, remember, O Lord, I've always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Of course, that doesn't mean he was perfect, but that's the intent of his heart and, and, and really the, the, what he was marked by. And, and I don't believe that Hezekiah is trying to prove to God that he deserves to be healed, okay? That his faith and righteousness somehow has earned God's favor and God now owes him a healing as a result. Well, God, come on, you owe me this. I've been so good. The Bible is very clear that God's love and his grace and his favor are all gifts, not something that we can earn, okay? Instead, I believe that Hezekiah is reminding God that, that God does promise to bring blessing to those who love him and those who serve him with their whole heart. And since Hezekiah follows God so closely, he can humbly point out the fact that he is truthfully very much in love with God. And that's the very God who can extend his life and heal him if God so chooses. And I believe he points to the relationship, and I believe he points to the, the admiration and honor that he has for God to say, you know, this is who I am. And I'm in a place where you can honor some of your promises to take care of me. And, and I think we can learn from this by going deep with our prayers to God. And intellectually, yes, but also emotionally deep, you know. Air out the deepest parts of our souls to God in desperation with no fear or pretense, you know. It's just right there and it just happens. Third, when everything within you seems lost... Know that God hears your prayer and sees your heart. Know that God hears your prayer and he sees your heart. God does listen and, that, and, and know that God does listen and that he does see. He's not too busy. You know, he's not too far away. He's not too preoccupied with more important things. He hears your desperate prayer and he sees your heart as you dare to share it personally. Like we just talked about. See, I, I know that Hezekiah believes it, and he receives God's assurance of that fact. God says, remember he says Isaiah back to him and says this, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I, I, uh, that's there. And, and, and you know what? Although God is not obligated to act in the way we think is best, you've got to catch that, he is not obligated to act in the way that we think is best. Okay? That's just true about that. We can take great comfort in knowing that he cares, that he hears and that he sees. And that it all matters to him, okay? We're not holding God over the, you know, over a, 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 you know, have some tight grip on him and making God do what we want, okay? That's not the situation. But at the same time, we know that he cares and he sees and it all matters to him. That can give us just amazing amount of hope and comfort. Now, here's the hard part. There are times when God doesn't grant our requests, as desperate as they may be. There are times when he doesn't. Because he has a better plan, 
as difficult as that may be to understand from our human perspective. But just like Hezekiah, you can pray from the deepest part of your soul, boldly and personally, and know that your prayer is being received, is being received with love by God. You can pray with confidence that God is right there listening and choosing, here's the key, he's choosing the very best way to act to achieve what is best for you and for his glory. What is best for you and for his glory. Fifteen years later, Hezekiah did die. He wasn't one of those old kings at the time. It's about my age. It was older then than it is now, but even still. I doesn't say if he prayed for a longer life at that time or not. It, it does say that God answered several desperate prayers that Hezekiah made, honoring the relationship with him. Hezekiah threw it out there. And um, I threw out on the bottom of your outline, are you desperate for God to act? Are you desperate for God to act? Because it's time to pray. And, and maybe you have. And maybe you've done every single thing that Hezekiah has done. I want to just take a moment right now and pray with you and for you. Um, you're in that desperate spot. You've just come out of it. You're heading into one. And if you're in a spot going, man, I am in an awesome place, would you pray for someone around you, someone you know in your world who is desperate? We want to personally come before that God and pray and, li and lift him up. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the chance to pray this morning uh, to honor you, acknowledge you, and, and love you. Father, I, I, I just invite everybody here today, and we've just done that too, be bold, be personal, be honest, be confident, be broken. God, we, some of us in this room are sitting in a desperate place where it feels like, yes, the quarter of a million person army is surrounding us and there's no place to go. And we are scared. Father, we figuratively right now either stand or we fall on our faces or we kneel, Lord, and just simply throw our hands out and say, there's nothing I can do. Lord, I just pray then that you would move into that space with your Holy Spirit and that you would fill that gap and provide the comfort and the hope, the healing, the purpose, the future, the direction, the wisdom, the care, the relationship, the very salvation in Jesus Christ that is needed. And God, we call upon you out of desperation choosing to put our trust and hope in you. And we receive gratefully. In Jesus' name, amen.